Hi, welcome to Fizzgig. I'm Wendy Althwaite, and I admit to being fascinated by fizz, the taste, the tingle, and most importantly, the trivia. Do join me. We'll explore the myths and the mysteries of the world's greatest sparkling wines. Full disclosure here, I produce English sparkling wine in West Sussex myself, but this podcast is not about our wine in particular, or even about English sparkling wine in general. It's about the scintillating world of effervescence. I'll pop a cork and cast a pod every Friday, and I do hope you'll be with me. Don't forget to listen out for the pudding at the end. It's a little tidbit that, whilst not strictly on point, amuses me. Pop it in your goodie bag as a little fact to take away. So here we go. TGI Fizz Day. And today we're going to talk about Champagne's young cousin, often treated as its poor relation, Cremant. Cremant are sparkling wines made in France and a little in Luxembourg in officially designated areas. They're made in the traditional method, so same fermentation method as in Champagne. And that's not surprising because As you know from last week, the word Cremant originated in Champagne, where slightly less effervescent wines produced a light foam which whitened or creamed the glass before disappearing to a light tingle. By a compromise agreement in 1985, producers outside Champagne agreed not to use the term Méthode Champenoise, and in return, the Champenois agreed not to use the term Cremant. Cremant is not associated with champagne. Aha, but what about mum's Cremant de Cremant, I hear you cry. Well, yes. Delightful assonance, but it is a bit confusing. Its proper title was mum's Cremant de Cremant Blanc de Blanc Champagne. But now it's just mum's de Cremant Champagne. Less confusing for sure, but lacking a bit of its former brio, perhaps. There are a number of features, though, that are common to all Cremant. The grapes must be harvested by hand, not mechanically picked. It's made in the traditional method, with secondary fermentation happening in the bottle. The extraction rate is limited. The winemaker can only extract 100 litres for every 150 kilograms of grapes. It's less fizzy than champagne, four bars of pressure compared to six. And the dosage is sort of limited. The maximum is 50 grams per litre of sugar, so no do for you. It's not aged as long as champagne, but it has at least nine months on the lees and three months on the cork, compared to a year and a half on the lees for a non-vintage champagne and three years for a vintage one. But Cremants are much less expensive than champagnes, often around the £10 mark. So Cremants are made in the same way as champagne, although not aged as long, but crucially, they're usually made from different grapes than champagnes. In general, Cremants are light, floral, refreshing, easy drinking and less structured than champagnes. Typically, a Cremant is creamy, fluffy, frothy, but not as sweet as, say, a Prosecco, and much more artisanal. It's a craft wine. In the UK, 
Clermont have recently become very popular and sales rose in the supermarkets last year by a reported 75%. There are eight designated Clermont AOC, that's Appellation d'origine contrôlée, in France and one outside France. And they are Clermont d'Assas, Clermont de Bordeaux, Clermont de Bourgogne, Clermont de Die, Clermont de Jura, Clermont de Limoux, Clermont de Loire, Clermont de Savoie and, of course, Clermont de Luxembourg. Each Clermont AOC has its own particular rules. But we'll start with the big boy, Clermont d'Alsace, which produces about half of all Clermont. These can be white, blended from Pinot Blanc, Pinot Gris, Pinot Noir, Riesling, Auxois or Chardonnay, or, although it's more rare, rosé from Pinot Noir. There are about 40 million bottles of Clermont d'Assas every year, and it was granted its AOC in 1976, although Clermont d'Assas has been made there since the 1900s. Alsace has always benefited from excellent vineyards. They're on the foothills of the mountain on the Upper Rhine Plain, and hotter than you might think for northern France, because the mountains shield the vineyards from the wind and the rain. So it's pretty dry and sunny, and about 1.5 degrees centigrade warmer than you'd expect at this latitude. In 1400, Alsace produced the most famous wines in Europe, but because of its geographical position, it suffered many wars and economic strife. Alsace has changed hands between Germany and France many times, four times in a 75-year period before the Second World War, which is why one man's Alsatian is another man's German shepherd dog. At the British Embassy in Bonn, they only used to serve Alsatian wines when the French ambassador visited, because either French or German wines risked causing offence. Clermont d'Alsace was initially a tax-avoidant scheme, just before 1900, a group of champagne winemakers settled in Alsace, which was then German, to make sparkling wine there to avoid the French customs on exports to Germany. The gloriously onomatopoeic Alsatian Junior Dopf. Now, doesn't that just sound like a bottle opening? Dopf. Anyway, Monsieur Dopf trained to make champagne in Epinay and then returned to Alsace to make and sell it there. And that went well until the First World War, when Alsace became French again, and according to French law, he could no longer call his wine Champagne. It was all sorted out by 1975, though, when the term Cremant had been revived. Some bottles of Cremant d'Alsace have a seal on them, called the Sigil de Vin d'Alsace, and this is conferred by the Confrérie Saint-Étienne, whose tasting panel awards the seal to the best Cremant d'Alsace. So it's a seal of excellence. South now to Crémant de Bordeaux. Bordeaux is famous for its red wines, its clarets, but it's got an AOC for Crémant in 1990, so very recently in wine terms. Its main grapes are Merlot, Cabinet Franc, Cabinet Sauvignon, Carmenere, Malbec, Petit Verdot, Sauvignon Blanc, Semillon and Muscadelle. Typically, white Clermont and Bordeaux have a nutty, honeyed nose and can be a bit lazy. It's true, though, that the region prioritises its more famous still wines, but if you want a biodynamic Clermont, you're most likely to find it here. So off we go to Clermont de Limoux. This comes from the area 25 kilometres south of Carcassonne, running from the foothills of the Pyrenees along the Haute Haute Valley. It sounds fiercely hot, but its 1,800 hectares of vineyards are about 
200 to 400 metres above sea level, so pretty high. And the cooling effect of the Mediterranean and the mountains result in much cooler nights, so the grapes are not overcooked and white wines can flourish. The grape varieties are Mosac Blanc, Chardonnay and Chenin. The local name for Mosac Blanc is Blanquette, which explains the name of Blanquette de Limoux. And you'll remember from the first Fizzgig podcast that Blanquette de Limoux was the first intentionally fizzy fizz. In fact, there are five different AOCs in this same region. Blanquette de Limoux, Blanquette méthode ancestrale, Limoux blanc, Limoux rouge, and finally, Cremant de Limoux. Blanquette méthode ancestrale is a pet gnat, so the first fermentation finishes in the bottle. It's lightly fizzy and the bottle ease is not disgorged, so it's a bit cloudy. Cremant de Limoux and Blanquette de Limoux are made in exactly the same way, but Blanquette de Limoux has to have at least 90% of Mozac in it, and the remaining 10% can be Chardonnay or Chenin. Whereas Cremant de Limoux must be 90% Chenin and Chardonnay, and of that, 20 to 40% must be Chenin. And you cannot have more than 20% Mozac or 10% Pinot Noir. So there are lots of rules about the permitted limits of permitted grape varieties. Mozac makes pretty rustic wines and typically they are lower in alcohol and tinglingly effervescent. It'll be no surprise that Cremant de Loire comes from the Loire Valley. The principal grapes are Chenin Blanc, Cabernet Franc, Pinot Noir, but other permitted grapes include Chardonnay, Cabernet Sauvignon, Arbois, Pinot Donis, Grolo and Grolo Gris. Sauvignon Blanc, however, is forbidden. You'll need to go back to Bordeaux for that. Typically, the Chenin Blanc gives flavours of lemon, quince, pear, honey and chamomile. Over to the east of France is the Jura. From 1995, Cremant de Jura was established, although they've previously been selling vin mousseux since the 18th century. The vineyards cover the same area as the Côte de Jura, so Jura's still wines, which are over 210 hectares, that's 520 acres. Now about a quarter of all Jura wine sold is effervescent. The grape varieties are Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, Pulsar, Savagnin, Pinot Gris and Trousseau. So typically a white Cremant de Jura would be 50% Chardonnay and 50% Savagnin. Rosé Cremant de Jura are at least half Pulsar or Pinot Noir. Just south of Champagne, in the heat of Burgundy, Cremant de Bourgogne is made. Usually it's Chardonnay and Pinot Noir, just like Champagne, but it can also use Pinot Blanc, Saucy, Pinot Gris, Aligoté and uh, Melon de Bourgogne in the blend. The rosé Cremant de Bourgogne are from Pinot Noir or sometimes Gamay. The Cremant de Bourgogne in the northerly Auxerre region near Chablis are fresh and crisp, but those from the south in Rouilly in the Côte Chalonnais are ripe and rounded. And although it has a shorter ageing than most champagnes, so the wines are a bit less complex, they are aged a long time for a Cremant. So look out for the terms Eminent, which means a minimum of 24 months aging on the bottle lees, and Grand Eminent, which means a minimum of 36 months on the bottle lees. So, 
Same sort of aging as champagne, same grapes, same method, totally different price. No wonder it's taking off as a champagne substitute. And there are two less well-known Cremant in the UK from France. One is the Cremant de Savoie, which only got its AOC in December 2015. So there are about 100 producers, but they're very proud of the regional character of their fizzy wines. The dominant grape varieties are local grapes called uh, Jacquère and Altesse, which must be at least 60% of the blend. Um, but other permitted grapes include Chardonnay, Chasselas and Aligoté. It's very difficult to get any of the 1.3 million bottles of Cremant de Savoie in the UK, as is Cremant de Die from the Rhone Valley. So their white Cremants are made primarily from Clairette, possibly with some Muscat Blanc Petit Grain or some Aligoté in it. Legend has it that a shepherd left a jar of wine to chill in a stream and then forgot about it, and when he returned in the spring, it was fizzy, and a long fizz-making tradition is claimed, but it got its AOC in 1993. These wines are lightly alcoholic, so usually about 7 to 8% alcohol compared to 12 for a champagne, and they have fresh green apple flavours. And finally, we have Cremant de Luxembourg, Luxembourg is the only country outside of France where the term Cremant can legally be used. Like Alsace, it was a place where a champenois, in this case Champagne Mercier, set up production of fizz outside France to avoid paying an export tax. From 1991, fizz from this area is now Cremant. The grapes from the Moselle are Riesling, Pinot Blanc, Rivana, also known as Mulatergar, Elbling, Oxelois, Pinot Noir for the Rosé, and Chardonnay. Although, I should tell you, there is very nearly another non-French Cremant. As you may know, there's a perennial quest to find a more elegant name for English sparkling wine. And the wonderful Johnny Ray, in his excellent book, Drink More Fizz, which I heartily recommend, suggested perhaps the name Cremant Anglais? Hmm. Sounds a bit too much like custard to me. The search continues. So, anyone for pudding? How about some toast? You may have wondered why a toast is called a toast. Apparently, it was the Romans who first dropped burnt bread, known as tostus, meaning roast or parched in Latin, into their wine. The charcoal of the burnt toast would soak up some of the acidity in inferior wine and make it more palatable. In the 17th century, this Roman practice was popularised by Shakespeare in The Merry Wives of Windsor. Falstaff commands, Falstaff's toast would have been a spiced or fruited grilled bread that first would have flavoured the wine and next given him a tasty snack to savour once the wine was finished. Literally, pudding. Toasting someone somewhat disappointingly, does not involve applying grilled bread to them in any way, but rather is a way of honouring them. We'll come back to some of these in the future, but I just wanted to tell you about the loyal toast. In the UK, the loyal toast honours the sovereign and is often quite simple. It's often just the Queen. But she can be addressed by any of her marvellous titles, and I quite like the Queen, the Lord of Man, by which I mean man as in the island, not man as in mankind. In Scotland, 
Jacobites used to pass their glass over water, like their finger bowl, before the loyal toast, so as to toast the king over the water, namely Bonnie Prince Charlie. The Hanoverian dynasty promptly banned finger bowls. Jacobites also toasted the wee gentleman in the velvet jacket, meaning the mole which tripped up William of Orange's horse and killed the king. And in more profligate times, glasses were smashed after the loyal toast to prevent them being used for any lesser toast, but this trend was fairly short-lived. Sometimes, even without intoxication, the simple loyal toast gets gloriously mangled. The Reverend Spooner memorably honoured the queer old Dean. So there we have it, Fizzerati. We've looked at the crème de la crémant, Champagne's fun and reassuringly inexpensive younger cousin. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join me next Friday when we'll be inducted into sect. Until then, may your wine, like your wit, be sparkling. Ching ching. <laughs>